0: is coming bigger than what is happening in israel and gaza bigger than the united states just announcing it's sending a massive second carrier group to israel no we are being played like pawns on giant globalist chessboard right now and if you watch our show for any length of time you already know this of course you're already informed about this at the heart of it though are real human beings suffering unimaginable cruelty As these globalists try to consolidate power, it's really the unipolar versus multipolar world war that we have been predicting here on this channel. We'll get into that part of the story here in a moment. But first, I just returned from northern Egypt this weekend where the eyes of the world are on the massive ground invasion of Gaza by the Israeli army. Now, according to sources this morning, the invasion has been delayed for a short time because of rain. There's too much cloud cover right now over northern Gaza at this moment which is hindering what Israeli pilots would be able to do so we're in this sort of holding pattern right now a calm before the storm if you will in the meantime Egypt is cautious about what this would mean for their country, as millions of Palestinians could try to pour across into northern Egypt. Egypt has deployed troops to this area in order to prevent chaos. The ex-foreign minister of Israel says, here's what should happen. Egypt should set up a massive tent city and move Palestinians into the Sinai Desert so they can live in a tent city, kind of like Burning Man, in the desert. The area, where were they to go? Okay,
1: very very I mean this was this is thought out it's not something that we tell them go uh, go to the beaches go drown yourselves uh, God forbid not at all the idea is for them to leave over to the open areas where we and the international community will uh, prepare the infrastructure you know 10 cities with food and with water you know what just like for the refugees
0: of syria that's one idea the other idea is that the palestinians you know could i don't know stay in their own homes as long as we're spitballing ideas here back to egypt egypt says the western media are lying about their border egypt says their side of the border is open at the Rafah border crossing But the Gaza side was destroyed on Tuesday by Israeli airstrikes. The the attack on the border crossing was confirmed, in fact, by the Israeli press on Tuesday. This is not a conspiracy theory. And sources told me that the infrastructure on the Gaza side of this crossing was destroyed. So getting trucks and convoys through would be impossible. And we just got these images in a few moments ago. These are images you will not see on CNN. These are hundreds of trucks on the Egyptian side of the border filled with aid, medical supplies, food, and water ready to cross But they are not being allowed to cross. So why the lies by the Western media?
2: There is no sign uh, that the Egyptian side is open.
3: Egypt is refusing to provide a safe corridor for any Palestinian refugees looking to flee Gaza.
4: Um, So first of all, uh, secondly, if I may... um...
0: Egypt is not refusing to provide safe passage.
2: So still, uh, unfortunately for the people there, no movement there.
0: Well, I have some ideas. Of course, the West would love nothing more than to blame Egypt for this, as Egypt has really pissed off the West. One of my commenters on a video yesterday said Egypt should join BRICS. Oh, but they already have filed to join BRICS, and they are aligning themselves with Russia and China. Just look at all the Western newspapers criticizing Egypt this morning. Reuters, which is a U.K. intelligence cutout, quote, Egypt moves to prevent exodus of Palestinians. What does that even mean? They're moving to prevent an exodus? Here's the New York Times, quote, as deaths soar in Gaza from Israeli strikes... Egypt offers aid, but no exit. The New York Times is awful, of course. But my favorite is The Washington Post. Quote, why Egypt isn't allowing Gaza refugees despite Israel evacuation order, end quote. So just look at the logic of this headline. So I'm just asking the obvious question. Why is it Egypt's responsibility when Israel ordered the evacuation? Now, I'm no geography expert. But if Israel wants Palestinians to move out of the way, there's a pretty big border right here where they could come through. Israel could provide them with all the help they need, right? Why would you force them through a bombed-out border crossing funnel into Egypt to live in a tent city? Journalist Mark Lamon Hill asked the same ex-Israeli foreign minister that very same question this weekend.
1: We want to open a humanitarian corridor so they can leave. But if Hamas So that who can Hamas leave? So that who can leave? Citizens? You're saying civilians can leave, but only through the Rafah border, correct? At this point, yes. So they can't go But where
0: else? Is your country! They can come into Israel! But don't ask those types of questions. Instead blame Egypt. It's all Egypt's fault. Okay. Egypt refused to send troops to help Israel, and they've moved further away from the United States and the West in recent months. Never mind that Egypt's economy is in ruins thanks to Western trade restrictions, that two million refugees would completely destabilize the country, and Egypt has gotten pretty darn cozy with Russia and Saudi Arabia. Joining BRICS means, of course, that control of the Suez Canal and the Red Sea will now belong to BRICS, not NATO not the United States, the West would love nothing more than for Egypt to collapse in a pile of rubble under the weight of a refugee crisis. Side note, just walking around northern Egypt like I did in the shops, grocery stores, banks, you're going to hear a lot of Russian being spoken. The amount of Russian investment is about to skyrocket. Putin is sending billions to Egypt. Russia is moving a huge amount of manufacturing into Egypt. It's set to bring over 35,000 jobs Egypt. Let's be honest, Bidenomics can't hold a candle to that kind of job creation. Um, And Egypt is now the number one investment destination for Arab nations and eastern countries. I visited multiple construction sites that Saudi Arabia is working on. 500 billion dollar investment projects in Egypt. Building massive new marinas and hotels in northern Egypt. Transforming 50 islands into a mini Dubai. It will transform this once impoverished area into a boomtown. There's construction everywhere. Do you think the United States likes that? It gets worse, because in a few days, China rolls out the next phase of their Belt and Road Initiative with massive investment and infrastructure through West Asia. And this week, Saudi Arabia dropped a bombshell, saying they want to step up their trade with Russia. We can't see how things are going to go, but basically admitting, yeah, we're not interested in peace talks right now with Israel anymore. We have our friend Putin to the north, so bye-bye. Think the United States likes that? Think again. The unipolar world order is collapsing right before our eyes, and the West is trying desperately to hold on to power. Something bigger than Israel is coming. The globalists, the next phase of their Belt and Road initiative with massive investment and infrastructure through West Asia. And this week, Saudi Arabia dropped a bombshell, saying they want to step up their trade with Russia. We can't see how things are going to go, but basically admitting, yeah, we're not interested in peace talks right now with Israel anymore. We have our friend Putin to the north, so bye-bye. Think the United States likes that? Think again. The unipolar world order is collapsing right before our eyes, and the West is trying desperately to hold on to power. Something bigger than Israel is coming. The globalists plan for power is not playing out the way they had planned, and we are seeing the first major signs this weekend that 2024 is about to look a whole lot something.
5: be the final hours of this unipolar world. It's quite befitting that I'm doing these videos later and later into the wee hours of the morning. It is currently Sunday at midnight. Got to open up shop in eight hours, so we got to make this quick. If you think that the largest amassing of warships and naval power in and around the Mediterranean, the Red Sea and the Persian Gulf is an accident or is just for the purpose of the Gaza Strip or the West Bank or even the broader Israel as a whole or even Lebanon then I think that you are naively optimistic about this current situation we are seeing the largest amassing of naval power since World War II Okay? Think of all of the wars that have happened since World War II. This is the largest amassing of force. Ask yourself why might that be the case? This is almost more firepower than you would even need if you were about to go to war directly with Iran. If you were explicitly stating that that was your objective, this would almost seem a little excessive. So something very big is going on right now. We are seeing high-level talks across the map Hamas leaders, Iranian foreign minister recently in Moscow. Today, Sergei Shoigu met with his counterpart in China. Something big is absolutely about to happen. And I seriously don't know how much time we have left. According to the leader of Hezbollah, there's going to be an announcement on Friday. There's some ominous cryptic videos floating around that might suggest that this is when they're going to effectively declare war. Now, we're living in an age where... It's almost counterproductive to declare war. You want to retain the element of surprise. So what exactly is going to happen on Friday? Well, what we do know is that currently around the world, people have completely lost it. The intransigence when it comes to religious matters and whether you're Jewish or Muslim or Christian, the inability to redress the grievances of the other side is on a whole other level that perhaps could have been mediated if this were a simple war over material and resources. This is a religious war now, and that means that it's a powder keg. It is highly unpredictable. We are seeing a new pogrom, apparently, take place. If you don't know what that, that is, I really, honestly didn't even know that it had its own terminology until today a pogrom is uh... basically staging attacks on people of the jewish faith or jewish ethnicity something obviously that was quite common throughout world war II. now why is this happening of course this is in response to the israeli government's mishandling of the response to the hamas attacks okay i've been very critical of their response i think they could have done it in a way which was far more measured which would have retained what at one point was uh, the majority support of...
6: See, a lot of people want to justify it. They could have did it differently. They could have did it differently. These people done did all this stuff for many a year. And all of a sudden, when they do something, they should have did it differently. That's the Crafty Council and them non-pigmentation. I wanted to check y'all out on that one that's all.
5: the world and it didn't have to quickly descend into violence we are seeing street battles emerge I can't even show you the videos I mean if you're up on this stuff you know what's going on but uh, in Dagestan today they literally stormed an airport and I don't know who or what? This is in Rome today, the Colosseum of all places. Um, I don't know who and what is orchestrating a lot of these things. You got to understand, there is still going to be the element of intelligence services, be it the CIA or the Mossad, who are trying to undermine various governments around the world. And they will uh, inject themselves into online forums, and they will actually start protests. They will do things to destabilize other countries now authoritarian countries like Iran, China and Russia are fairly good at stamping those problems out
6: immediately now fam they got they got this on here all this information that they got going on i hope y'all checking all this stuff out fam i hope y'all really digesting because I don't want y'all to be shocked and lose your damn mind. I don't want y'all to be dead weight when survival mode kick in. I want y'all to be able to help, participate, and do whatever necessary that your talent can be able to do. Because you're going to be able to have to help your own people, man. Because those are the people that's going to be helping. Everybody else going to be helping their people. And the thing it is, y'all. <clears throat> I see you hear all these leaders out here talking about how aggressive America is, right? You see this, you hear this. So I'm like, If everybody in this world feel the knee in their neck, no, no, the pigmentation knee in your neck, then it must be a callus in the world that needs to be finally directed and the world needs to have a conversation with. The world needs to sit down and have a conversation with a few people, few nations, few individuals, and have that conversation. How long is the world going to allow this to happen? How long is the world going to be accountable for what happened? Somebody die, oh, it's normal, it's regular. See, that's what TV brainwash y'all and let murder and death and all that be regular. Just like you gotta pee and you gotta have a bowel movement regular. Y'all don't even think about it, you just go do it. That's how y'all look at killing and murder and all that. But the Bible say, and the Most High always say that, and that's in the commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Look at them. We shouldn't, but then the commandment, but then we got to look at it then is, Y'all got to look at it then. The Bible's for Israel. And when the Bible says thou shalt not kill, that means I shouldn't kill my brothers in my nation. Because the Most High already told Israel when Israel was conquering land to go kill all them other people. So therefore you can't take that out of context like that. That's why I said what I said until somebody showed me it otherwise. Listen.
4: We have approximately five days to figure out exactly what's going to happen with World War III. We're getting warnings now from open-source intelligence operatives, some that have direct connections to the U.S. military and the U.S. government. Some are contractors that are working with the government or with other governments in the Middle East right now. They are saying that we have just a couple of days to see what direction this war is going to take and how many other countries are going to come in and back up a fight against Israel. This is the breaking point. This is the zero hour. I'm telling you this because I think that you only have a couple of days left to make some serious decisions about how you're going to live out your life in the midst of the world's largest and longest economic conflict and physical conflict. We are about to see some events that we have never seen before in our current living history. That means that the things that you have always found near and dear are going to change. That's, of course, if this takes a turn for the worse. And a lot of the strategists out there are saying exactly that. This can't hold up anymore. We are already past the point of no return.
5: All right. The U.S. is halting exports of all civilian firearms 90 days. This is nationwide, never been done before, probably since World War II. Why is this so important? Well, it's likely the first in a series of measures that are going to work towards the consolidation of whatever remains of American industry towards the end of building up a war economy. Because people need to understand something right now. Our military stockpiles are being exhausted, depleted at a rapid rate. Attack of missiles being exhausted, chewed up by Russian missile defense. Tanks in Israel being chewed up, lit up tonight by Hamas. Apparently, it's not going so well as many military analysts expected when Israel decided to enter the killing fields and that's gonna be a long war Iran knows that ultimately it might come down to a standoff with the United States and then when you have the Eisenhower moving in like just right off the coast of Iran shit could go down any day now it's literally sitting right outside of Iran in the Persian Gulf
3: China inserting itself into the Israeli-Hamas conflict, calling for a peace deal, sending six ships to the Middle East ahead of their top diplomat visiting Washington this week. I'll let China speak for their foreign policy in the region and uh, uh, and whatever their are taking as I, I, I've seen them call for both sides to to ratchet down the the violence, uh, we've we've been clear about where we are, and we're on Israel's side here. Israel needs this support to go after Hamas terrorists. That's not going to change. And I'll let them speak to their naval maneuvers and, and where they're putting their ships. But an op ed in the New York Post says China is stoking a new Cold War with the West. Quote, China is following the same playbook in the Middle East that it did in Russia. Secretly encourage an attack on a U.S. ally or potential ally and promise to aid the aggressor behind the scenes. Senior fellow at the Gatestone Institute and author of China is going to war, Gordon Chang joins me now. Gordon, what is Xi Jinping's endgame here?
7: Xi Jinping's endgame is to rule, not dominate, but to rule the world. And in the interim, he's using a number of Maoist tactics because he admires Mao. One of those tactics is to create chaos. Mao Zedong said chaos would eventually bring about worldwide Chinese rule. And the other is to encircle the cities by the countryside. And really what he is doing is Ukraine, Israel, North Africa, these are the countryside. The city in the Xi Jinping conception of it is the United States. So he seeks to starve the United States into submission.
3: How specifically does the Hamas attack help Xi achieve his endgame?
7: Well, certainly it creates chaos and the brutality, the rape, all the, the atrocities. Really what this does is it destroys the whole notion of civilization and also global norms. If Xi Jinping can take down global norms, then he levels the playing field because the United States stands behind that international system, which, by the way, Todd, has been in place since 1648. And Xi Jinping is hoping to bring about uh, greater Chinese influence in the intermediate term and eventually Chinese rule. Is the Biden administration being naive hosting
3: Chinese officials while China, let's call it what it is, they're arming Iran right now and Iran is then arming Hamas?
7: Yes, and Chinese weapons are now starting to show up in the hands of Iranian militants, such as the Houthis, such as Hamas, Um, and clearly the Biden administration, while the Chinese attack everybody, um, is trying to establish lines of communication, trying to placate the Chinese, giving Neville Chamberlain a run for his money. Clearly, the Biden administration doesn't want to recognize us. They won't even call China an adversary as China's, for instance, backs the fentanyl gangs, which are killing about 70, 75,000 Americans a year. This is just horrific policy. And the reason why China has been doing so well over the last couple of years is because Biden, for many reasons, has been helping um, uh, China and the Chinese proxies such as Iran. Um, that That is just bad policy all around we have never seen such a collapse of america standing in the world um, in such a short period of time and it's because of biden's misguided naive feeble call it what you want but these policies are not in our interest
3: i have never been more worried about china than at this moment it actually keeps me up at night gordon
1: america there's something huge on the horizon and if you think this doesn't affect you think again Well, what are you looking at? You
8: are looking at three KC-135s. They refuel aircraft in the air. If you watched Tucker's episode 33 uh, with the general, that has been both in combat and the Pentagon. One of the things that he was saying would be very difficult would be for planes to land in Israel and refuel because it would be under such heavy fire. If we got involved, well, these three showed up Along with three F-16 squadrons, two A-10 squadrons, and one F-15E squadron, along with B-52s, along with intelligence gathering planes, along with 12,000 Navy and Marines at sea on three striker groups, along with 2,000 Special Ops Marines, and there supposedly is a couple of more Special Ops already over there. Um, and there, I have heard that there's been 30,000 deployed there, although that part I cannot confirm right this moment. Um, I was also told that Tel Aviv and Hezbollah has also joined the fight, again, trying to confirm that one as well. We have also had um, our bases hit in Iraq and Syria 10 times now. So that, of course, is a direct attack on U.S. So, why am I saying all of this? Well, because as Russia and China have called for peace talks and ceasefire, because they understand what will happen, how this will destabilize, the Middle East if this war continues to escalate then you have the US and you have Israel that have said absolutely not we're not going to stand down we're not going to cease fire we're not going to negotiate now that's going to force Iran that's going to force Turkey that's going to force um, other Syria to Hezbollah to take a side Obviously, they will not be taking our side or the West, and by the way, I forgot to mention that France and Britain and UK have all spent special forces um, over as well. So now we have a bunch of, uh, you know, egotistical maniacs at this point that all have their finger, or their itchy finger on the nuke trick, and waiting to see who screws up first. So I want to make sure that something is very clear to us Americans at home who think we're so insulated from anything that ever happens, and quite frankly, we have been. We've been able to go 60 or 70 years without any major losses, um, and although we did lose troops in uh, in the 20-year war, um, we still didn't lose that many due to our technology and then who we were fighting, which was people with not much... Uh, you know, their guerrilla warfare, right? It's a lot easier to take people out when you have all this technology. Now we're going up against Iran, who has super accurate nukes. Russia, same thing. China, same thing. Turkey, same thing. So we are not just going up against some guerrilla warfare on the side of a mountain. And I want to make sure that this is crystal clear to you folks in America. The second you hear America Has whatever shot down this, done this, whatever has entered the war. I want you to start the timer on your phone. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's just a matter of time before the chaos starts here. Because as you well know, we left our border open for two and a half years, and Hezbollah has people coming in from Mexico. That's been confirmed. You've also had Blinken stand up and say, we think there might be some bad actors, some Hamas and Hezbollah in America that may have come across the border. No fucking shit, Sherlock. We've been saying that for two and a half years, and now all of a sudden the epiphany hits this administration. Or is it an epiphany? So, for all of you folks that said, oh, well, Don't be messing with me. You make it to my doorstep. You better be ready. I hope you're ready because it's going to be at your doorstep and mine very shortly. And one last thing I want to bring up. If you look at the M2 money supply, which is the deposits, um, the cash on hand that is believed to be held by Americans and what's in the banks, We have just dipped below the line zero to three. I believe it's 3.85% negative, 3.85%. Now, this has happened twice in the 1800s at 2% unemployment rate uh, during the 1800s. It happened again during the 1918, uh, you know, Spanish, you know what. And uh, that, I believe that was four. Uh, percent and then and and then the big one which was the uh, Great Depression I think I'm right on this I'm trying to paraphrase it in my brain and the Great Depression was at a negative 12 percent which was 25 percent unemployment so today we're coming in at 3.85 percent so what does that mean that means the job and the paycheck that you just can't walk away from for us to come together and start a new life already gone they just haven't told you yet and if you go look at the debt clock you can see where that is if you look at where the dollar is to gold and silver you can see where that is we're at like 130 140 percent GDP anyway the money that you're not willing to let go and the job that you're not willing to leave because you think next month you're gonna have to pay a mortgage or maybe the following month after that you'll find out we won't be paying so instead of getting ready You'll be spending time working for the corporations that run this country. And they
9: know that. Uh, when you turned the question around, you asked him, will you condemn uh, the Israeli defense force killing of thousands of Palestinian children? And he couldn't even answer that. Exactly. No, I mean, he hasn't even answered that even after that uh, interview. And the reason why... It's, it's very clear for anyone to know and see, is because of his ideological and/or financial uh, commitments. I mean, if we're being honest about the situation, right? I mean, if we say that killing a child—I mean, this is a very simple argument. I mean, we can make it: killing a child, whether Palestinian or Jewish, Arab or Jewish, or black or white, whatever it may be, is a bad thing. Okay. Uh, so killing one black child, killing one white child is 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 equally bad. Killing one Palestinian child, killing one Jewish child is equally bad. Then it would make sense then using that kind of logic that the more children that you kill, the worse it is. And so the IDF has been killing more children. Therefore they've been they're, they're worse than any um, anyone else in the, in this conflict. Whether whether one wants to invoke Hamas or Hezbollah or any other entity, Islamic Jihad. If we're talking about the killing of civilian black there's no doubt that there's been more you mentioned it before i came on civilian deaths that have been killed from the palestinian side and historically from the uh, disengagement in 2006 of, of Palestine, the so-called disengagement, because in fact, they've still maintained effective military control in, in, in international relation, in international law terms. Huh. Um, in 2006, all these operations that they've conducted from cast led to protective edge, and every three to four years, what they call mowing the lawn or killing the people or subduing the populations there. Uh, if we're just counting bodies effectively, if we're just counting bodies, there's no way anyone can make an argument. If you believe that the human life of a child who is a Jew and the human life of a child who is an Arab is equal, that baby is equal to that baby. This race is equal to this race. There's no one, uh, no way anyone can make an argument that, in fact, um, that any other party other than the IDF is is most criminal here.
10: I'm about to get on their ass this time.
2: I'm about
10: to get on their wrong. The police could kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I got a ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep tooling me. Uh, I came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'm going to show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't want to wanna hear the truth, try to act the shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even want to teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this. What's the piece to mark uh, Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number but headshot. I got great aim, but my 4-5 still came with a red gun. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock.
11: It begins. Now, last night, the leaders of the Arab world had a meeting in Egypt. Did y'all see that on our news? All the Arab leaders got together in Egypt to talk about what they gonna do about them recognizing Jerusalem as the capital Pike said the last wall would be between the Zionists and the Muslim world right this is where we at this is where we at y'all still up out there? alright it's so bad we received the letter Philadelphia Philadelphia received the letter from the Islamic leaders. I don't know why, Keith. They must know we crazy over here. You understand what I'm saying? So, we receive a letter. Now, this is going to blow your mind. Alright? Because James, James, am I lying? Alright, we receive a letter. Now, let me show you a copy of the letter. We receive it in English and we also received it in Arabic. Amen? And they are burnt about (laughs) this recognition of Jerusalem. Now, why they don't send that to me? I don't know. <laughs> How of people gonna be watching me? because see y'all kind of people at the game today. Go whosoever. In the world, they gonna send that to me for. But they watching you, the Israel. They watching you. You got time clock they watching you because your emotions your movements your ascent your rise your prosperity show the world where we at right now they wrote us now look what they say in the letter right all right go to the next clip look what they say hallelujah this is where it's from, the Saeed Abdul Hadi, the administrative trustee, the global guardians of the Al-Aqsa, you know what I'm saying? The Dome of the Rock and stuff like that, the gardens of it. And they're writing us at Philly and they say, they telling us, Washington cannot broker peace negotiations on behalf of the Palestinian and the Jerusalemite family. They can't broker peace negotiations between the Palestinians uh, and with the 13th Jewish tribe, of European Ashkenazi Khazars who contrary to Nikki Haley who is our UN ambassador she asserted at the United Nations today amen they're saying that contrary to what she said this 13th tribe these European Ashkenazi Khazarians do not carry any biological lineage to the original black brown 12 tribes of the Hebrew that don't know who you are. The rest of the world knows who you are. See, these people have no biological lineage. This is why the UN, uh, time after time, say, you don't got nothing to do with this city and nothing to do with this country. And they get mad. The UN is somehow against Israel. No, they're not against the real Israel. They're against the fake one. that's what these people wrote to us man no lineage to the original black brown 12 tribes of Hebrew Israelites they can nor can they trace any historical relation to Jerusalem or Palestine you the only one don't know who you are, Hebrew. It's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Time to wake up. That brown skin your God is not a curse. It's a blessing. That woolly hair your God is not a curse. It's a blessing. It identifies you and God has set a seal of love upon you. Know who you are. And know whose you are. The rest of the world knows. The rest of the world knows. Only we who are asleep and slumber in America don't know. It's the beginning of the end. And they don't put their hands on the accursed thing. It's the beginning of the end.
5: Urgency alert. Breaking news on the World War III front for you tonight. A story that is developing in St. Petersburg, Russia. A sub-district in St. Petersburg is completely blacked out. 100,000 people are without power. And because there's no power, there's no power to the water pumps, so the pumps can't pump water. Apparently, this is what witnesses are saying now. No power, no water for 100,000 people in St. Petersburg. Now, power outages happen, but what's more interesting is what the eyewitnesses claim happened about half an hour before this event occurred. They claim that they seen flashes in the sky and accompanied by loud explosions, and then about a half an hour later, there's conflicting reports, some say 15 minutes, some say an hour, after those explosions and flashes in the sky there was this massive power outage in and around st petersburg now the actual district is is called shushari and it's centered around the polkovo airport so another drone attack because there are eyewitness claims that there was drones multiple drones in the region that either hit or or were intercepted the russian government the MODs, being very tight-lipped about this in almost every major incident it would seem in the past several weeks Nonetheless, uh, this looks as though it was some kind of drone strike. In the very least, it was the work of saboteurs. Power outages happen, but not on this scale and intensity. Interestingly, St. Petersburg is 900 kilometers from the northernmost part of the Ukrainian border, meaning that as far as we know, Ukraine has no known drone that can travel this far. Now, we know that Starlink has basically uh, relinquished control to the U.S. government, which effectively allows that to, to be in the hands of Ukrainians. So now perhaps they're using Starlink to navigate these drones deep into Russian territory. That's another story. We know that recently they targeted the Peskov airbase which was 700 kilometers which would be within the range of these drones there's some possible es- explanations here one is that ukraine does have drone technology they haven't disclosed which allows them to go that extra 200 kilometers or this was the work of saboteurs and the flashes that people seen in the sky were just uh, the result of explosions and they were boots on the ground type thing or these were launched from within russia in one of the many uh, forested regions where uh, pro-Ukrainian partisans could hide. Or this was launched from the Black Sea, sorry, from the Baltic Sea in international waters, where Ukraine could theoretically have vessels from which they could launch these devices on. You don't need a long runway to launch these. Or, I think, is least likely would be that they came from one of the Baltic states or even Finland, which I think is very unlikely because that would, of course, be a direct act of war. But the fact that there are drones targeting St. Petersburg, and remember, I predicted this, I said, they're going for St. Petersburg next, Peskov was a trial run. What's most concerning here, guys, is that they are systematically chipping away at Russia's capability to command and control their nuclear forces. All of these attacks on the airports, on the command and control planes that recently happened, or claimed to have happened, I should say. Ukraine claims to have taken out two Ilyushin doomsday planes. They've also uh, made several attacks on Russian nuclear bombers, strategic bombers, uh, nuclear weapons storage facilities. All of these things are slowly grinding away Russia's ability, not grinding away, but they're starting to make it a little bit more complicated for russia to launch a retaliatory strike. in in such case that we the west launch a nuclear strike against them remember we're trying to view this objectively that means looking at it through the mind of the russians All of these attacks on Russia's conventional forces by Ukrainian saboteurs and these drone strikes that are now being enabled by free reign with Starlink and quite possibly long-range Taurus missile systems in the not-so-distant future are also chipping away against on their non-conventional nuclear forces, not necessarily on the nukes themselves more important than the nukes is the command and control systems okay if you take out a country's ability to launch their nukes in the first place that's the same as taking out their nukes now russia has this system called dead hand which, as far as we know is still in operation and it would allow them if the command and control was severed to just launch everything okay they have this I, i can't remember there's another name for it but it's basically if you take us out we're taking the entire world out with us type system so they have that but this is just pushing us ever so close to nuclear war. Now, let's talk about the flash in, the, flash in sky. the sky. I'm sure if you guys, as preppers, you're thinking what I'm thinking, you're thinking electromagnetic pulse, right? Well, let's just see what they say here. Power was cut off in St. Petersburg, Shushory District and the Polkavo Airport on the evening of September 24th. Latvia-based Russian independent news outlet Medusa, citing Telegram Channel's reports. I should also add that there's been numerous cyber attacks lately and cyber is another way that a nuclear war could start because if you neutralize command and control through cyber attack first that's the same as targeting their nuclear triad and they would launch everything at us anyways according to these telegram channels as well as twitter and numerous eyewitness videos that are coming out locals heard a loud noise and saw a bright flash there's also no water being supplied to the area. This is 100,000 people. St. Petersburg is a city of millions of people. So obviously it's not the entire city, but accidents like this don't happen. This wasn't an accident. This was obviously an attack. The Russians are being very quiet about it. Okay. They, and they have been very quiet about a lot of things lately. They were incredibly quiet about the recent attack on the Black Sea headquarters in Sevastopol in Crimea recently. And it appears as though they're trying to do uh, damage control. They're trying to keep their population from freaking out. I think a lot of the population is getting prepared for war there. I mean, they're teaching their students how to fly drones in high school and how to do military and uh, CBRN training. Ask yourself, what are they doing here in Canada besides giving speeches and writing uh, checks that we can't cash? Like, uh... The fact that we have 70,000 troops in Canada, that's not gonna be able to defend Vancouver. Hell, Regina, Saskatchewan, much less the second largest land mass country in the world. We don't have any gold in our coffers and that should be a giant red flag. Like <clears throat> we have nothing. We have no gold. We have no military. What we do have is a prime minister who's willing to give this impassioned speech about declaring war against Russia. Um, a, a prime minister who's willing to, to enact the emergency powers act when it's appropriate, and I would not put a military draft past this guy, I actually wouldn't at this point. There was a time when I said, oh, maybe, you know, this is all just for show, but I don't think so anymore. I'm going to show you the speech that he gave, and I tell you, he's going to make one hell of a dictator someday. Now, on the topic of EMPs, there is the possibility that this could have been, to explain the flash in the sky, I presume that was just the explosion, but... It's possible that there's a conventional EMP weapons being used here, and that this was a statement being made by the Ukrainians and NATO that we can take out your power facilities using EMP weapons. A conventional EMP weapon can only target a small area. Okay, We're not talking about the high-altitude nuclear uh, weapons that emit an electromagnetic pulse that can wipe out a large swath of land. Okay, Send out 200,000 volts in all directions for thousands of miles. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something far more localized, which would Explain the flash in the sky if they detonated one of these over a thermal power plant. Now, I'm guessing that they probably just hit the thermal power plant, and then that led to some complications, which later on led to the power being uh, cut off, because according to eyewitnesses, there was explosions, there was a flash in the sky, then some time had passed, and then the power went out. Well, that sounds like, okay, they hit the power station, and they had to shut something down. That sounds like what this is. Regardless, this is very concerning, and I'm telling you, I am accelerating my search For land right now i'm probably not going to get what i want i'm not going to get the deal that i want with interest rates so high at this point in time but i got to get something because i'm very very concerned that if the bombs were to drop today you know we would have to have a place to go that would be a suitable not a bug out location because if we're talking long term nuclear war i don't want to have to bug out i don't have to bug out with my family into the woods we need a place and you do too emergency alert breaking
12: First of all, I'm so happy you called because uh, I, I really
13: enjoyed the conversation I and I really believe in building Bridges. My name is priest and officer Kazakai Mad. I'm in the Israelite School of Universal Practical Knowledge under commanding General Yohana. And so, um, you're Rabbi Noam? Yeah. Yes. Noam. Noam. Okay. You don't live in America, do you? Yes, I do. I live in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. You live in Los Angeles. I know you said um, English isn't your first language, so I, I just made the assumption. Yeah, I, I was I was
12: born in I was born in Israel, and uh,
13: I met my lovely
12: wife here,
13: and uh, I stayed. That's what's up. So, I just wanted to pick up from the conversation because I thought it would be a little bit easier on a call. So I don't have a I don't have a lot of time because we need to go to a birthday party soon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But. So, um, I have like 10 minutes to talk oh that's fine let's get to the point of it uh, so you did admit that you understand the history of many Jews did flee into Africa and so of course but they, they flee
12: they, they went everywhere the the exile uh, you know there is a book uh, called the uh, I don't know if there is a translation for it to English but if there is i can send it to you uh, there was a person lived in uh, back then during the time of the roman empire his name was josephus Blavius. and he was uh, basically a historian of the of the era and he wrote all the horrific things that the roman did to our people and and of course they were exiled a lot of jews were exiled to egypt and were sold as slaves and it says over in that book that, that, that there were so many uh, Jews, so many people of Israel sent to be slaves, that the price was so low and, uh, and, and, and uh, it was terrible. They were sent some of them to Rome to fight as gladiators. And some some ran away some it was it, it was a horrific
13: time back then absolutely so i'm glad you're knowledgeable of the history because everything you said is absolutely true and so the point of contention that we kind of reached um and the the messages was i was asking you if we both understand the history of many of the jews fled into africa of course. And how were they able to hide everywhere, in Africa? Everywhere. We know they were scattered everywhere, but I'm talking about now the instance specifically where the ones that I went to I Africa. Hear the last sentence? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the last. No sweat. Sentence. I said about the Jews that fled into Africa specifically. The question that I have now, and the part that we were kind of going back and forth, in the messenger is: How were the Jews able to hide in Africa if they were white? I don't know. Uh, to to be honest i don't know
12: the color um but because you had many you had 12 different tribes so uh, tribes of israel so i don't know about the color but i do know that when you have horrific times and you run away and y- you just run i know my my grandparents were in the holocaust they ran And and unfortunately, in every generation, we run from something. We have other people that try to to harm us. My grandma, grandma, the Nazis, they they shot her brother in front of her.
13: Mm. He was like five years old. That's horrific. And so now, with that being said, the Jews that fled Jerusalem and went into Africa, let's just say they did flee not knowing what was safe and wasn't safe. How were they able to hide in Africa? if they were white. One second. Um, can I add my wife to the to this conversation? She's going uh, back and forth, and she's kind of excited also about this. Oh, absolutely. What's your wife's name? You don't mind asking. She's a rabbi. as Shiri. well. Shiri. 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 She's Shiri. a ra- She's a rabbi as well.
12: I'm. I'm the rabbi. She. She's called Abani. She's the wife of the rabbi. Okay. She she teaches a lot. She's, she's she's a strong woman. Trust me about
13: that. Okay, so would she be able to answer how the Jews were able to hide in Africa if they were white?
14: Yeah, she,
13: I don't know about color again. Uh, but one second here, see, she can she can talk. Okay. Hi, how are you? How's it going? I'm, I'm speaking here. I'm speaking what, here. What's your name? Sir? My name is Priest and Officer Kazak. And I'm speaking here with your husband, Rabbi Noam. And he's very knowledgeable of the history of the migration of the Jews. And so he knows how many of the Jews fled into Africa. They were scattered all abroad, but many of them fled into Africa. And so the question that I wanted answered was, how were those Jews able to hide in Africa if they were white? I'm guessing they were you know, like Afro-Americans,
12: they were just like you know, they're from Ethiopia, they're the darkest skin, they're you know, and they were black, and they were black, and they were
13: black. If I may, I have to I definitely have to go. We can put Norm back on.
12: I, I appreciate it, too, and um, I think that to to get those bridges is one of the
14: most important things that that you can get. Israel bombed that hospital, and we all know it. And if you were somehow in doubt about it, well, they bombed another one last night, and they've done it before. This isn't something that's new. You know, you've got uh, American warships over there now, and you better be careful, because they might just bomb one of your own ships, just to blame it on Hamas, because yes, that's also something that they've done before. And if you don't know, look it up. The USS Liberty. Everyone in the world knows uh, that the Israelis do not follow any rules of war. And we all know the united states doesn't follow any rules of war either well i don't think there's a torturer in the world who didn't learn it from you we didn't learn it from the appropriately named school of the americas look that up too if you don't know america and its allies have a long and blood soaked history but the united states and europe have been like ships sailing on a sea of blood the blood of africa the blood of latin america the blood of the middle east and the blood of asia and you even had us in the bottom of that ship rowing like galley slaves are you nothing but pirates like I've said uh, nothing makes that clearer today than your behavior towards Gaza your stance on Palestine I don't think that there's been a genocide that you didn't support from Congo to California from the Philippines to Palestine you know you didn't even fight the Nazis to stop the Holocaust that was just your uh, retroactive rationale it wasn't the millions of Jews, it was 2,000 marines at Pearl Harbor that got you into the war. At Pearl Harbor, a military base on yet another territory colonized by the United States. And in response to that, you carpet bombed civilians in Germany, you murdered 80,000 innocent people in an instant in Hiroshima and another 40,000 at Nagasaki in an instant, all in so-called self-defense. Or you make up the rules as you go. You always have. And then even then, the rules that you make up on the fly, you still don't even follow those. That's because you are violent. You are violent and you believe in violence. What was that that Netanyahu said? We're the people of the light bombing women and babies, hospitals, churches, dropping white phosphorus on people to burn their skin off. Blowing up entire city blocks of innocent civilians. That's the people of the light. You think that your violence is sacred. You think it's holy, sanctified atrocities. The more wanton, the more savage, the more beautiful and inspiring it is to you because you think that the more violent you are and the more you're able to get away with that violence, the more it means that you're justified. The more it means that you are superior and the superior always have the right to do whatever they want, don't they? No matter how sadistic it is, no matter how sadistic and how evil it is, if you can get away with it, if you can get away with being sadistic and evil, then you think it's proof of your superiority. And anyone who opposes you uh, or expects you to follow any kind of rules is committing the ultimate crime of questioning your superiority. You're the people of the light, after all. And anyone who expects you to act like a normal, decent, law-abiding human being, they must be people of the darkness. And when you say, uh, Israel has the right to defend itself, what you're really saying is, uh, they have the right to defend their supremacy and no one has the right to challenge it. That's what you're really saying. That's what you really mean. If you wonder why Hamas did what they did, why everything that happened since October 7th should tell you why, because the Zionists, now I won't say the Jews and I won't even say the Israelis, but the Zionists are fanatic, psychopathic, sadistic, racist, bloodthirsty, unholy monsters. And the uh, Armageddon cult of the right-wing Christian Zionists are just the same. And it's a disgrace upon humanity for them to not be uh, confronted and resisted. It's Western supremacy, colonialist imperialist supremacy, that's being confronted. That's what's being confronted in Gaza. It's Western colonialist imperialist supremacy that's committing genocide in Gaza right now. Everyone in the world is against you. Everyone in the Global South. Gaza is a microcosm of centuries of anti-colonialist struggle. The entire Global South, the BRICS nations, uh, all called for a ceasefire. The whole Global South is undertaking frantic diplomacy, trying to bring peace and an end to the carnage in Gaza. And who's against that? The West. As always. America tells everyone, don't escalate. Meanwhile, they're sending warships and they're sending special forces to Israel. They say, don't escalate, while they are escalating. I'm telling you, this is a showdown now. It's a showdown. Not between Uh, Hamas and the Israelis, not between Palestine and Israel, not between the Arabs and the Jews or the Muslims and the Jews, it's a showdown between savage Western supremacy and the civilized world because you wanted uh, to pivot to the global south, you wanted to transition the global economy but you're sick, you're power mad you can't stand uh, for anyone to be genuinely free from your control, just like, you know, you so-called abolished slavery in America, but you still wanted to be able to put black toddlers on leashes and send them into swamps to attract alligators for you to hunt. Never mind if those babies got devoured in the process. Yes, you did that. And you're exactly the same right now today. Anyone's freedom anywhere, is a threat to your supremacy everywhere. You reserve the right to be brutal and vicious as a God-given entitlement. It's a truth that you hold to be self-evident. Every generation in the West uh, always says that they're different. They always say that they've changed, that they're not like their forefathers, but they do all the same things all over again every time. There's no change. They've never changed. Maybe you're a Westerner now, and you're horrified by the things that your society did in the past. But you're doing the same things now and it doesn't horrify you. You know, you can see all those old pictures of people having picnics with their families in the American South uh, having sandwiches under the swinging bodies of black people who they just lynched. Maybe you see those pictures, this generation, you see those pictures and you're bewildered at how human beings could be so brutal. But right now, tonight, you're sitting in front of the television watching CNN and eating pizza watching a genocide
15: take place in Gaza. news in the past 24 hours is yesterday Iran warned the United States will not be spared if this war in Gaza continues. And this comes as I let you know that tensions have been escalating between the United States and Iran. There have been attacks taking place all centered around the Israel-Hamas and war. But what is very very bold about this statement is take a look it actually took place at the UN in the United States, the foreign minister for Iran stood before all of the UN on American soil and told the United States, "You will not be spared if this war continues." Take a look at the video footage so you can see it for yourself. I
1: say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region, but. I warn if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this
15: fire. So let me know your thoughts, a pretty bold threat on the U.S. soil. Now, this comes, as I shared with you yesterday, that there have been new developments in just the past 48 hours, that people are concerned about World War III sparking between the U.S., Iran, we've already got Russia, Ukraine, we have China and Taiwan issues, and it's all circling around Israel and Hamas. Now, take a look. I shared with you that President Joe Biden, when all of this began two weeks ago, warned Iran. Do not attack the United States. Take a look. Made it clear to the Iranians, be careful. And as I shared with you in yesterday's video, a little bit of context. All of this is circling around the fact that Iran actually funds and supports Hamas to attack Israel. They want to destroy Israel and the United States is allies with Israel. So immediately biden had warned iran do not attack the united states with the conflict that is going on however i also shared with you that over the course of the past two weeks take a look at this u.s troops in the middle east have been attacked 14 times and they have been linked directly to iran now president joe biden issued another warning in the past 48 hours biden warned there would be a response if iran continued to attack US troops. And what we heard is that overnight and throughout the day, more attacks took place and that number of 14 has now gone up to 20. And let me know your thoughts. Do other foreign leaders think that President Joe Biden's threats are empty? Do they not respect him as a leader as they continue to attack our troops regardless of what he has threatened? Well, take a look at this. According to the Associated Press, now US fighter jets are striking Iran-linked sites in Syria in retaliation for the attacks on US troops. And things are escalating between the United States states and iran and now just yesterday on u.s soil a bold claim by iran that the u.s will not be spared and i'm going to share with you the latest updates on this and what they're saying and let me know your thoughts are we on
2: we are back with a fox news alert fbi director christopher ray is now warning americans to stay vigilant for possible terror threats here at home
10: So, Ainsley, Ray fears that Hamas copycat attacks could happen on U.S. soil. Meanwhile, national security concerns rise at our southern border.
7: That's because our Border Patrol agents have announced that four Iranians here illegally have been apprehended in Texas just in the last month. Alexandria Hoff is live at the White House with more. Alex.
2: Hey guys, I'm here in the Washington Bureau right now. I actually, I want to comment because you guys were talking to Trey about uh, the idea of Hamas being an ideology and you don't have to train with Hamas terrorists to think like them. That's the message coming out from the FBI is that we should not discount the possibility that Hamas or other terrorist organizations will take advantage of the current conflict by calling on supporters to carry out an attack here in the United States. The Bureau's biggest concern is a solo assailant.
15: We've got to be
13: on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own.
2: And this, of course, has sparked increased concern over the flow of migrants at our southern border. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, four Iranians have been apprehended since the beginning of this month. That is, four. They're all considered to be special interest aliens. That's a term used to describe individuals coming from countries identified by the U.S. government as having conditions that promote or protect terrorism. Individuals may also have some suspicious travel patterns. And look at this: in the first 14 days of this fiscal year, over 30 Iranians were apprehended at the southern border, nearly 60 Syrians, 35 Pakistanis, more than 100 Russians, 285 Afghans, and nearly 2,000 Chinese migrants. Over the past two years, U.S. Border Patrol has encountered almost 73,000 special interest aliens, many of them from Middle Eastern countries. And just last week, CBP agents apprehended two Lebanese nationals in Eagle Pass, Texas. They were also considered to be special interest aliens. Lebanon, of course, home to Hezbollah guys wow. that's little so scary yeah and uh, there are these there are these two lawmakers two congressmen in washington they're trying to pass that legislation so that uh, we don't allow anyone from from gaza any of the mm. palestinian authorities it, uh, to enter into our country where does that stand do you know
7: the gaza act
2: Yeah, you know, that's interesting. We were reading about that a little bit when I was at the White House yesterday. Um, It's certainly getting some pushback from people because the idea is you have these special interest aliens, as we were just talking about. Not all of them um, are people who adhere to the same beliefs as their government. Many are seeking refuge in the United States, wanting to distance themselves. So it's going to get a lot of pushback, uh, but it's making waves because people in the United States are scared.
7: Yeah, uh, Alex. Thanks so much. Appreciate yeah. it. And with Ron DeSantis is leading the charge on that. Uh, and-
1: Get out. Exposing the sample. Call him Kunye West. America gonna be destroyed. No doomsday threats. It's gonna get hit with ballistic missiles from God and Magog. You shouldn't have had liposuction. Should have jogged the weight off. We the resistance. Hear the bravery in my voice. You lied to us when you said slavery was a choice. Nigga must have smoked up a whole quarter piece. 1441, we was kidnapped by the Portuguese. When I hear the words make America great again, all it means is make blacks and Latino slaves again. You said bush don't care about black people when it comes to cooning you're a barclay and Shaq's equal you was the realest spitter ripping the beat up now you in a something place phone clicking the teacup yeah learning you're a slave mom turning in her grave lyrical sermon on the page just burning off the america page. was great when they stole the land from the natives it was great when they brought blacks over on slave ships it was great when they prospered our free labor it was great when Burning our bodies with sweet savor, it was great when they could rape our women at will, it was great when they did our children like Emmett Till, it was great when firemen sprayed us with hoses, it was great when they killed all our modern day Moses. Could you cherish a place where we perished in hate? Then wear a hat that says you wanna make America great. Your character's fake, saying Trump represents freedom. He's eat em. he told cops when you stop, blacks mistreat them. Everything changed when you got with that ratchet thought. Your mom's casket dropped, Evil, cerebral and rapid thoughts aftershock you started tweaking off acid drops high as an astronaut i bet this shit happened to travis scott watch the throne you really sold yourself a dream it seems the people higher up got the lowest self-esteem you're made back on the road to hell you should be wearing that hat that said your soul for sale you look at all this backlash hating first you backstab hold then you backstab drake mk ultra i stuck in your mouth wide this ain't the same kumbaya from the south side america was great when cotton picking with bloody fingers it was great when we called Mexicans beaners. It was great when we didn't have a voice to speak. It was great when they fed us scraps, no choice to eat. It was great when they fed our babies to gators. It was great when they beat us before the taser. It was great in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was great when the media didn't cover our stories. Yeah, Deacon, aka Fop Lord, Sakari. All oh, praise you, how about Shimmy Hey, Kanye, man, get out out of pocket, homie, all the Jews, all the gems, all the jewels and gems you gave us about our history, all the social injustice that you spoke out about, and now this, this ain't the land of our rest, all right, we're under curses, we Israelites, they're not for us, man.